success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today? Abby Large is Senior Vice President at Lennox Advisors, is a dedicated professional whose drive is to put her clients' best interests first. She's a financial planner for 30 years, specializing in helping people through their accumulation, distribution, and preservation phases of their lives. She was named on Forbes Top Financial Security Professionals in both 22 and 2023. Oh my gosh, Abby, welcome to She's Invincible. We are so excited to have you with us today. Oh, thank you, Cami. It's it's really an honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, so much fun. Oh my gosh. So let's do this. Let's jump in and tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible? Wow, that's a great question. Um, tremendously open-ended question. So here it goes. Yeah. Um, when I I went to journalism school, I have a BSJ in journalism from one of the best journalism schools in the country. And when I was there, I my interests were in advertising, copywriting, and um, and creative um, and art directing. So when I graduated. Um, Nobody really told me I needed a portfolio in order to advance. So I I signed up at um, in New York City uh, for a school of visual arts. I took a night class to help myself put together the portfolio. Fast forward, I moved um, from my childhood home into New York City, uh, a third floor walk up, <laughs> you know, on 91st and 2nd. And um just doing the, you know, right after college thing, looking for a job, et cetera. And so I found, I landed a job as an assistant to a creative director at a very large advertising firm. It was a entry-level position. And I realized very quickly that it was too large for me to um, navigate and, and really get some good experience. So I decided to go to a smaller firm, smaller advertising firm, worked for a creative director there. And all the while I was going to night class, putting my portfolio together and just really just grinding it out. And I got laid off because they lost like three accounts and I was absolutely devastated. I really, it was just, it really hit me very hard. And they put me, they sent me to an outplacement and that outplacement firm um, got me us. Um, I was a, administrative sales position at um at a magazine i i i i'm hesitant to tell you what magazine because it's it's funny but it was playboy magazine <laughs> yes <laughs> in, work, in the publishing and long story short um i was in my early 20s at this time and i was working for the head of international publishing and i remember being in his office and he called me a maverick he said, you don't belong here. You need to go out and get yourself a sales position. Like you're, you're just, you're really wasting your time here. I said, okay, well, I'd love to sell ad space here, but they won't hire me if I, if I don't have at least five years of sales experience. So time goes on and I'm in his office again and I'm putting Coca-Cola cans in his, in his little cooler in his office. And as I'm putting them in, they're rolling out and I'm putting them in, they're rolling out. And he starts cracking up and he says, my God, if you don't, leave here and get yourself a sales position. I'm going to have to fire you. Like you can't do this anymore. So I wound up getting a, um, um, uh, a position at a women's health club, uh, in New York city. It was owned by, uh, you know, a couple mom and pop. 
and my managers were women, mostly women, and they gave me a script to learn. And I couldn't learn it because it wasn't my words. It wasn't me at all, but people would be coming in and I would just naturally gravitate to them and I would open them up to the services. And then these managers would take them in the back and sign them up. I'd get zero credit for it. And this was going on for quite a while. I finally said something and they said, well, whatever it takes to get the sale. And I thought, okay, this is not where I need to be. Having said that though, they sent me to a sales seminar and then the first two rows, uh, there were these folks from uh, a firm and one of them, a financial firm, and one of them came up to me and we started talking, we exchanged our business cards. And then the next thing I know, I have a sales manager from this financial services firm calling me to come in for an interview. And I'm like, what? No, like I'm a creative. No. And they called me, I kid you not. I, I think like five times, five or six times, I finally just said yes, just so that this person would stop calling. That's awesome. <laughs> when, I when I went in for the interview, it was a very different kind of interview. I interviewed with a bunch of different people and every, everyone that I spoke with was happy and in charge of their own destiny and healthy and just and vibrant. And I, there was a vibe going on there that I wanted in. And I said, I don't know what's happening here, but I need, I need to be part of this. And I was, how old was I? I think I was 24. I was 24 years old. And um, <laughs> so my first year in this business was, I cannot, I, I have never grinded as hard, but here's why I was grinding. Because failure was not an option for me. See, let me explain something. I was um, living in an apartment building that was going co-op. And so they wanted me to leave my apartment building. My family sold their home of 24 years and went to Texas and assumed that I was going to be going with them. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm a New York girl. I'm not going to Texas, much to their surprise. And so my home was sold and I had no money in the bank. Oh, and to top it all off, I was dating some schmuck that thought I should be working at The Gap. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's what he thought my potential was. So, Abby, <laughs> I can't even contain that. Oh, my I gosh. Mean, it was like failure was not an option. It just wasn't It like there's just no option. So I would cry every night in the shower. I mean, the, the things that I was learning, the tests that I needed to take, the designations I needed to have, the, just I, learning and doing, it was so hard. But like I said, failure was not an option. In my first year in the business, I placed top five in the entire country of people in their first year in their business. I was the only woman to do it, by the way, That's that, awesome. that year, that year, you know, it's funny when I got recognized, the five people got up on stage with their spouses, their significant others. Now, my spouse was a, my husband, but they were giving bouquets of flowers to everybody on stage, the, to the spouses, to the women. <sighs> And so it was really interesting. They, they gave me the flowers and my husband said, no, those are mine. <laughs> and, he looked up and he was holding, he was standing up there holding the flowers. It was adorable. So uh, I was on Lifetime Television. I mean, like I bought my apartment. Um, I had money in, in the bank and I met my husband and my best friends in my life, like, like my lifelong friends. And so here we are 30 years later. Amazing. And, I have, and I still have the same phone number. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's amazing. As I moved my office from the, our New York location to our Stanford, Connecticut location. So now I actually have a 203 number. But I, I, I have been in the same firm for 30 years. That is amazing. And I love that story. I, and I don't think you shared that about Playboy, but I think that's hysterical. And oh God, hysterical. I. 
I mean, talk about having stories to tell. And, you know, you know, I always believe no matter where you are, you're always going to take those lessons with you and that knowledge. So somehow you learned something there that you were able to take with you, even if it was just to laugh uh, or just to work harder because you don't want to go back. So I love that. So tell us what makes you invincible. Well, I think that I have a lot of grit, but with grace. Mm, I love that. I have grit with grace. I love that. And I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty gritty, <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm also pretty graceful. And wow. so that's what I would say to that. Um, I think that in the beginning of my career, I, I have, I have a lot of um, roots that were planted and watered and you know the grass is not always greener on the other side it's greener where you water it and so those roots gave me wings and i do feel in invincible because no one can crack that for me like no one could take that down for me no one can take away the hard work or the the experiences that i've learned and or or i have been through that i have learned from and I, and I, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for those experiences. Good, bad, good, bad, or ugly. These that's were, right. That's right. These were experiences that helped me be a better professional, a better uh, mother, a better wife, a better friend, a better, just better at everything. So uh, no one can take, I think if, if no one can take that away from you, then you are invincible. I agree. I agree. And I love that. And I love this grit with grace. That's something I probably need to master. I have the grit down, but the grace thing, <laughs> I should, I could totally work on more. So I love that. And I love that you're, I mean, in the business that you're in, that is very, it's necessary. And so let's dive into that and talk a little bit about the business you're in, how, you know, uh, what people need to know. So I know we have a lot of things we want to cover, and I'm thrilled and excited to do that. Um, one was we talked about like parenting money smart children, how important that is, especially today, uh, because they don't teach enough as far as I'm concerned about finances in school. Kids should be learning this um, and they're not unless they're going to school for finance. And at that point, they should already know a lot of what they learn. Uh, the other thing is women. Like, I know that was a big deal for you to be one of the five winners. Right. And and you were the only female there. If that doesn't scream and you said that time and I heard it loud and clear because what you did was you opened the door and gave these other women permission to work harder and rise up. And I love that about you, because, you know, when we go and we do the hard thing, People are watching and we're giving them permission. And they say things like, if Abby Large can do it, so can I. And you're empowering people. And that is huge. And then the last thing, I'm, I mean, I just love what you're doing. Um, and we, we want to talk a little bit about taking that money conversation out of the equation when we have those hard conversations. So let's dive in. First, let's talk about this parenting um, money smart children. Tell me what we need to know here. Well, it's interesting because when I meet with my clients and we have a, a deep fact find, one of the first questions I ask is tell me a little bit about your relationship with money when you were growing up with your family and your parents. Tell me a little bit about that. And that one question opens up so much that I need to understand with risk profile and, and, and feelings and, and just, just stuff that they don't know what they don't know, but I could see it from a higher level, but to understand the relationship that they have with their parents with money is very important because I'm, I'm finding that a lot of people come from families that they think the conversation is taboo. And that is, it, it couldn't be further from the truth, especially for people who have money, because you have to teach your children how to handle the money, not just have it, 
but how to handle it, how to make a difference in their lives and other people's lives with that, because it is a privilege, right? But then you've got other people that are, are struggling, whatever it is, I think it's extremely important to be able to talk about it at the dinner table with your kids, be able to give them an allowance, but not tied necessarily to chores because, and a lot of people might disagree with this. That's okay. I feel very strongly that at your home, when you're a child is your first community. It's your first opportunity to cooperate, to share, to help and to pitch in, right? Because when you're in a community, that's what you need to be doing. You need to care about your community. You need to care about your environment and the people that are surrounding you and respect and understand and appreciate who they are and why they are and what they're doing, et cetera. So when my children, I have three children, two are fully grown, they're in, they're, they are have jobs, they're in New York City. I still have one under my roof. I call her my love child. <laughs> she's just going to, she's getting her driver's license tomorrow. So watch <laughs> everybody. <laughs> You've been warned. Um, no, I'm joking. She's actually a very good driver. Um, but it's so important to, to talk about it and to... Um, but to have a healthy conversation about it, not because a lot of couples fight over money. And the reason why they fight over money is because they have different philosophies about how to handle the money. Yes. So when you're starting to talk about it at such an early age, it, it almost gets ingrained and it doesn't become an unusual topic. It becomes a topic that they're familiar with, that they're comfortable with. And while much, while, and, and so let me get back to the, 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 the allowance part, because it is not, it should not be tied to doing chores around the house. They should be doing those chores regardless. So my children always did the chores regardless. They did get their allowance and they were responsible for looking on, you know, looking at the checking book, looking at the checking at the savings account, if they got checks from birthdays or whatever, we would take them to the bank. They would deposit it, physically do it themselves. So they understand the process. They understand it's not so scary walking in and, you know, cashing a check. (laughs) But, you know, there's there's all these other AI technologies that they're now teaching me about. (laughs) Yes. Which is very funny. But when they were growing up, this is what we did. We also, this was a very interesting exercise. We also um, told them, look, we're going to go on a family vacation. This is the budget. You and your, you, your, all my children, the three of them, I said, you need to present to us where you'd like to go. You have to handle the airfare, the hotels, the activities from soup to nuts, the restaurant, everything, all the reservations. So, and present it to us. And they did. And we chose we chose the vacation and I kid you not, they took care of, I just showed up. I just showed up. It was wonderful to, but here's what it taught them. It taught them to work together because when they get older and they have their own families, they're going to have to talk about this stuff, right? Yeah. So sure. it, it taught them at a very, very early age, how to budget, how to plan how to communicate, how to work together, and how to present. So I, I, I'm passing that on to, to your audience. It, is, yeah. it really, really did the trick. It was wonderful. Now, um, fast forward, you know, we, we taught them how to budget. We taught them how to, you know, do all of those things. So now when they have their, their salaries and their income, they know exactly how much they need to spend. The, I can't believe what's happening with, with these kids now. They are teaching me stuff. Mm-hmm. About, oh, well, you can go in this credit card and you can, because they, they were having a conversation about which credit card they should, they should, they should get because of what, whatever credit card offers, whatever. It was a whole conversation that they had amongst themselves. And I definitely think that has a lot to do with the fact that we talked about it. We weren't afraid of it. We gave them exercises and we gave them real life experience. And so I would say it worked. 
I love that. That is so great. And I, I'm sure you've helped people with many, many bad money stories uh, along the way and how you're helping your clients, because that's one of the things I see in my business is, and it's, you know, I work mostly with women, but it's like, what's your money story? You can see it uh, before you even ask the question, you know, there's something there. And it's like a generational curse. And I love what you're saying about getting used to and having it be normal to have these money conversations. I think that that is so important. And I think that in itself could stop the generational curse. Um, and I think it's so important. Let's move on to women and finances, because that's like the next thing that is, you know, women coming up short or leaving it to their spouses um, who might not be doing the right thing. So let's talk a little bit about this. How are you yeah. helping women? Yeah, it is. Um, it's a great segue because anytime I speak to a client, I always say, does your significant other or whoever I'm talking to, does your significant other know who I am? Because if something happens to you or something's going on, they need to know who I am. That's number one. Number two, if I am speaking to a client, I always ask, are you making financial decisions alone or are you making them with your significant other? The answer is always oh, nine times out of 10. I make, you know, we make these decisions together, but I handle it administratively. Okay. Well, if you're making decisions together, then we need to meet together. And I need to do my back find digging with the both of you because while you're thinking one thing, the other person may be thinking another thing and we need to communicate and and get this together because they need to feel involved from the beginning. I think oftentimes um the significant other gets very busy doing other things that they prefer to do. They ignore it because it's too difficult. It's too complicated. It's, it's confusing. It's whatever it is. Having said that, it is, and that's okay if you don't want to handle it administratively, but you need to know where things are. I just had a client pass away and the widow called me. I was her first call. She called me and said, so-and-so, her husband said, if anything happens to me, make sure this is the first person you contact. And I was, mm. I was. Yeah. And so that I do not take lightly at all. So I, I feel that it is extremely important to understand what you have and where it is and who to go to for help. You don't need to get into the weeds, but you do need to know where things are. You need to understand uh, how to get into someone's computer, the, the passwords, the, where stuff is, who, who are you talking to? All of these things, like I said, you don't need to get in the weeds. But, but if, like this, this, this widow that called me didn't know anything about her finances, nothing. So what I did was I sat with her and I reviewed everything with her so that I could give her empowerment yeah. because all these people were, you know, honing in like, oh, there's lots of money coming due. And I said, you know what? This is, this is what you say. Say, thank you for your concern. I, I already have a, someone that I trust and I'm all set. Again, I appreciate it. And I gave her the language to use because she needed to be empowered. Yeah. So I think that it's not it's not so difficult to say who are you talking to about our finances? Can I meet this person? Can I just from a high level know what's going on? And when knowledge is power. Yeah. You like I said I'm going to say it again third time. You don't need to get in the weeds, but you need to know where you're landing. You need to know where you're standing is very important. Mm, that is so important. I actually have a friend who got divorced and she didn't even know like what their electric company was. Like she had no idea how to even pay like household bills or when they were due or how much they were. Um, and I do, I think it's just so important. Um, 
it is a way to empower people. Otherwise, we're really in a we're just we're just not doing them any justice. Sorry to interrupt you, but I, no, I, wanted, go ahead. I, I think that this is a generational thing because the, the women that I meet that are older, right? Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a thing back then. It was, you know, the woman stayed home or somebody stayed home with the kids and they they did their thing. They were the stay-at-home moms, whatever. And by the way, when someone ever says to, I always I always tell my younger, um, my younger kids that I train and my mentor, I said, don't you ever say, does your, does your spouse work? <laughs> yes, they do. They just don't, they're not earning money outside the home, but they're working their butts off inside the home. So you phrase it, is your spouse working inside the home? Or, or you know, you phrase it that way. Don't ever say, does your spouse work? <laughs> Trust me, they're working. Um, does, your, does your spouse work outside of the home and earn money outside of the home? That's how you kind of phrase it. Anyway, what I'm saying is it's a generational thing, I think, because women today, um, for example, my 22-year-old daughter has a whole different mindset than when I was 22 or when my mother was 22, right? Sure. When, when our mothers were our age, it was unheard of for them to have a career. And if they did, it was very unusual, but now it's not. So I feel that this, it's going to shift. It's going to shift quite a bit, but here's what's important because it's a generational thing. Our generation right now has to teach our children how to be comfortable talking about it, using it, investing it, saving it, donating it all of that so that when they get out in the real world they 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 they've got their roots with wings yes oh my gosh that's so good all right let's talk a little bit about um risks so we talked about um the children we talked about empowering women in their finances uh we have the sandwich years, right? So we we want to talk a little bit about that because a lot of us right now are in that place uh, mm-hmm. where our parents are older. Uh, they didn't have the money stories that we're having today, right? So a lot of times they're not set and ready for what comes when they get older. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the the sandwich years of taking care of your children and your aging parents. Yeah, that is a that's a big one. I, I'm actually in that right now. It's it's quite something um, where you're raising children and young adults and taking care of elderly people, um, your elderly parents, and it's it's interesting. It's it's a risk. It's it's now it's almost a systematic risk now. Yeah, right. Just like taxes and inflation and interest rates, it's longevity because of modern medicine. People are just living longer and not as healthy. And so it's interesting because the healthier you are in your older years, right? 50 and beyond, the longer you're going to live and the more you're going to be what's called fragile. (laughs) The frailty is, it's a big thing. When you're in your 90s, it's not so easy getting out of bed. So it's very difficult and it's also very expensive. So my number one advice to people, buy long-term care insurance. It is so important to have because I'm telling you something. I have a, I, I have a friend whose parents maybe, you know, they had a nest egg, but it wasn't huge. It was enough. They lived me. They lived mindfully, but there was a long-term care need and that need, it could have wiped their entire savings out, but they bought a long-term care policy. And instead of wiping out all of their savings, this policy is paying for their care. That is huge. It is not only huge for those people, but for their children, because their children will take care of them. They'll just take care of them better and longer. So the answer is get long-term care insurance because you don't want to do this to your kids. Right. Right. You need to like learning less. We're learning lessons right now. Right. 
Yes. But that it, it's very difficult to. And by the way, those those elderly parents, they're like babies. They're like children. Yes. So it's it's an extraordinary time of life. Having said that, when you take money out of the equation, then you can really focus on what matters, and that's love and family. And so, again, it boils down to the money conversation, right? We need to have those conversations. I have so many clients who are afraid to talk to their parents about whether or not they even have a long-term care policy. And I'm sitting here saying, are you kidding me right now? Like you are going to, you're in a good, a heap of stuff crazy if you don't find this out. Right. So it's a matter of educating the generations. Um, I think Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3 really need to educate because people are not, you know, I think Social Security was in, was it 1940s? I think it was Eisenhower that. I believe it was Eisenhower that created the uh, Social Security. And you know why they chose age 65? I don't. Because nobody lived that long. (laughs) Oops. Nobody lived that long back then. But now, forget about it. What's your halftime report? (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth, isn't it? It That is the truth. What's your halftime report? So there's something I want to ask you. Real quick. Um, and that is how do you suggest people calculate at this point? Like you said, people are living longer, right? So there's more people living to a hundred, but not only that, but it costs more to live. So not even thinking of healthcare and medication and help, but even just food and clothing and just the essentials. What what is it that you recommend or is there a calculation that helps people to figure out how much they are going to need if they do live to be 100? Well, that's an interesting question because there's three things that can happen in one's life. You can die prematurely, you can become disabled, or you can live a long life and need long-term care. Right. So with long-term care, it's almost, it's almost, it's not a matter of if you'll use it. It's a matter of when, when. you use it. Love it. So that's really the way to go here. Yes. But also you need to, like I said, with the accumulation phase of your life, mm-hmm. you're accumulating assets and the accumulation phase of your life is very long. I mean, I started working when I was 14, for goodness sake. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm rounding that corner. I'm now going to get into the distribution phase of your life. But here's the thing about accumulation. You've got all these risks going on here. You've got, you know, ta- taxes and inflation and interest rates and markets and, you know, presidential candidates and technology and all of these things that all factor into your accumulating phase of your life and saving money. And here's the thing that's interesting. When you get into the distribution phase of your life, all of those risks remain, but there's one major part that's missing. Do you know what that is? Paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. New money. Yeah. New, new money. So it's almost as if it's like climbing Mount Everest, right? You, you, you plan to climb, you have your routes. Maybe you need to recalibrate and pivot. Maybe you've got all your, all your equipment. For all of the risks that you're about to encounter, you get to the top and you know it's more dangerous to get down than it is to go up. I've heard that. It is. It's more dangerous to go down. It is it's very similar to accumulation and I equate to the distribution phase because the distribution phase is scarier because you don't have new money going in. So you've got a market out there and you're dis, you're if you're disinvesting in a down market, you could lose all your money. So it's not necessarily just asset allocation, but it's asset location that we, I talk to my clients about and just making sure that they're allocated correctly so that when they are distributing money, they take it from the right places, right? The, the, the buckets that, they're, that they've been saving. So I talk to my clients about that a lot. And we, 
the sooner you talk to them about it, the better, obviously. And now this is funny. You know, you're getting old when now you're talking to Gen 1 and Gen 2. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. A lot that's of my great. friends are Gen 2 now. So but, uh, but it's great. I mean, the conversation needs to happen. I love this. This is such a great, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. So, okay. Anything else that you want to make sure people know about these topics that we're talking about here? At the end of the day, just decide. Decide. We can talk about it till we're blue in the face. But at the end of the day, if you don't decide to do something, if you don't decide to speak to somebody, to do something, and if you can't do it yourself, is that's that's what I'm here for, right? That's that's why we do what we do. I have very um, intelligent, successful clients, and they don't know about these things. They don't know about these laws and the tax laws and all of these things that we we learn. And so, it you may think that you know a lot, but you don't know what you don't know. So it's important to to hire someone that you can trust and work through these scenarios so that you you know it the longer you wait the worse it gets and the less options that you have to do something so it's so important to talk about it at an early age you know you could be 20 years old and be talking about this kind of stuff you could be 50 years old and talking about this kind of stuff it's never it's never too late to talk about it, but it's always better to talk about it sooner rather than later. That's that great. That's so good. What wisdom you have right there. Amazing. So let's talk about what you do at Linux. So how how are you helping your clients there? Um, what kind of clients are you working with? Do you do just personal finance or do you work with businesses as well? So I'd love to hear more about the company itself. Oh, wow. Okay. So our company is um, National Financial Partners. We're under their umbrella. They own Lennox Advisors. And so Lennox Advisors is a, a boutique firm that we, I'm the relationship manager. So we have access to all different kinds of lines of business, whether it be um, executive benefits or estate planning, retirement planning, property and casualty, um, uh, business succession planning, um, you name it, whatever kind of financial planning is out there, we have access to the best of the best. And I'm the relationship, like I'm the person that handles, I'm the quarterback. So I'm the one that's finding the right people for the right situation. And making sure that there's a vibe that works, right? Because at the end of the day, you just you, you want to work with people that you like. But we run the gamut with all areas of financial planning, whether it be corporate, um, small business, executives. Um, it's it's really anyone and everyone. But whatever the issue is, we have a specialist for that. I don't know if I was specific enough, but. No, that's good. That's good. So anything under the financial umbrella, you have a specialist that can help support people for whatever their needs are. Yes. 100%. Love it. Love it. Oh, that's so good. The best people in, in the country. I love that. So tell our listeners where they can find you. They can find me at, um, at, at LinkedIn. Obviously, I'm on LinkedIn and you can go to the Lennox Advisors website, www.lennox with one N, L-E-N-O-X-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. Um, or you can send me an email, alarge at lennoxadvisors.com. Perfect. Perfect. And to the listeners, everything will be in the show notes. So if you can't write that down, just click the link in the show notes and you can go right to find Abby at any of those three places. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's gonna happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster, 
and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at So this has been so great, Abby. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for being invincible and for sharing your story and that journey. Oh my gosh, have you had a journey to this amazing place where you've been for 30 years? And I love that because I love to show our listeners, like you don't have to know exactly what you're going to do. You know, you were a journalist and you stumbled into finance. And I think that's the most amazing thing. And I know you would agree that things that you learned in journalism are helping you today in the relationship building of what you do in finance and how you help women and families and children and all of that. And I just love that that some of the fun things that you've gotten to experience. But we're not done because on She's Invincible, we promise our listeners that while we bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we spotlight their zone of genius, you've done that so well for us today. Really opened up our eyes and our minds to us falling short when it comes to finance, right? Not being accountable, not empowering our children um, or or spouses and and how we really need to open up that conversation and work together for the best common good for everyone. And I love that. And I think that is more powerful than anything else we could talk about here because it focuses on today and it also focuses on the future, which is equally, if not more important when it comes to the work that you do. Um, I feel like when I think of you and I think of like a financial you know, business and money moves and investments and things like that, I feel like you are a peace of mind, right? Like the, the job you do offers the world peace of mind that they can lay their head down at night and not worry about what happens next when they're faced with a tragedy or, or a critical illness or, you know, unexpected emergencies. And I love that. And I think I, that feels like a warm blanket to me when I talk to you. Um, but, you know, in all of this success and all of the ways that you're impacting the world, we love to, it, she's invincible, pull back the curtain and say like, you are doing such great work in the world and you're empowering people with their finances and education and their security. But you also have had to pay a price 
for the success that you enjoy today. And that's what I want to talk about now. See, we love to pull back the curtain and be authentic because there are many of our listeners are on a journey right now and they're it's hard, right? And they're they're trying to have grit with grace, like you said, and and, the, and it's not easy. And I know you know that more than any of us. And I would love for you to share some stories about that and about that journey to help encourage some of our listeners to keep on going because it is hard and you are going to cry and you're going to want to quit, but you just can never give up. And like you said, what did you say? Failure is not an option. And that is like our theme across the board at She's Invincible. It's not that you're winning every day. It's that you're never giving up. So let's jump in and tell a few stories about your journey. Are you ready to share? I'm not sure what kind of stories you'd like to hear. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. So I would love to hear the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Well, oh. The good, sorry about that. The good is that I am part of pumping billions of dollars into our economy to alleviate all of the entitlement programs. I mean, our industry, the insurance industry, pumps billions of dollars in life insurance, disability insurance long-term care insurance, annuities, investment products, all of these, all of these products that people, I am showing people how to have financial security, reduce risks. That is ultimately helping our country, right? It really is. And I'm part of that. And I take it very, very seriously. So that's the good. I love that. I love how you say it too, because you're like, you're not just like saying you're contributing. You're like pumping money. And that's what we need. This this economy needs somebody to be pumping money. And I love that you're a big part of that. Um, and it, and then not in a selfish way. It's in a way that you're covering all these other people. And I think that's amazing. So let's talk about the bad part of the journey. We'll save the ugly for last, but tell us about the bad part. Well. While the good part is I am I am creating an accountability for people. I am I am holding people accountable to be responsible for their families. You know what really upsets me when I see a GoFundMe page. That really upsets me. And I off every time I see it, I think to myself, oh my gosh. Why didn't they have life insurance? Why didn't they have disability insurance? Why didn't they have this insurance? It's just, we need to protect our risk. You you just need to. Um, So it's the independence that I give to my clients and the accountability. The bad part of it is, is that there are people up up at, at the Hill at Washington that don't know what we do. They have no idea. And they're trying to attack our industry. And we're trying to tell them, are you kidding me? We're, we're pumping billions of dollars. Let's work together. And that's what we try to do. There's, um, there's a, a firm called Finseca. Um, Financial Security for All is what it stands for. And it's, I'm very involved. It's, it's, it's a, they're basically lobbyists. And they go up. To Washington, I go to Washington and and I talk to the senators and all the people up there to to educate them on what our industry is doing because they don't know. And that's bad because they're making decisions, not knowing what's behind that curtain. So I couldn't agree with you more right there. What you just said. That is the bad. And it's scary. It's worse than bad. It's scary because the rest of us are. Our futures are are sitting on those decisions, right? On how that works out. And we're biting our nails. Like, what are they going to do, right? Because we know it's going to affect us. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Okay. Tell us about the ugly. Well, the ugly is that there are people in our industry that don't do it for the right reasons. And that is the ugliest of all. 
Because at the end of the day, my job starts after my product is sold, not before, after. I can't tell you how many people sell these, you know, these, they sell these products to their clients and they don't service them. They don't follow up with them. They just get paid and they're, they're gone. And that is really ugly. It's not just bad. It is ugly. And it bothers me to the core. So I am, I'm really, I am so, I'm so, um, I'm, I'm fiercely protective over my clients from that because it's just so wrong on so many levels. I'm actually getting upset just talking about it. It's just so wrong on so many levels. These people rely on you. These people trusted you. How dare you, right? How dare you take advantage of that? How dare you not take a good fact find and understand their, their situation and, and what's going on. How dare you think of your own pocket before you think of theirs? No, 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 no. That's ugly. So Abby, with that being said, is there a way, like I know all financial advisors are not equal. Is there a place to go to find out or how do you suggest people find out like who is reputable, who isn't? Is there a place to go look that up? Or that is actually a great question. Uh, it's a great question. Sure, you can look it up, but at the end of the day, you can ask for referrals, or you can just be referred, or you can listen to this podcast and give yes. me a call. <laughs> I love that. That was going to be my final words. <laughs> don't worry about all that work. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, don't worry about all the legwork, but you know, at least reach out to Abby and see what she can offer you. I'm sure every situation is different, but th- you've got to have some advice or a place to point them or someone that can work with uh people to help them in whatever situation. So, thank you so much for sharing that today. Thank you for being with us, for being invincible and so authentic to really share the good, the bad, and the ugly of this part of the work that you do. Um, and I hope that people will take this to heart and listen to what you say and take caution in the decisions that they make. So you guys just click the show notes, get to the link where Abby is and go talk to her and she will steer you in the right direction and get you on the path to financial success and at least security so that you can sleep at night and not have to worry about these things. What keeps you up? (laughs) Yes, yes. Thank you so much, Abby, for being here and for sharing all of this. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up. Just get back up. You can do it. I know it feels like you can't, but I'm telling you, you can. You're invincible. Just get back up. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.